Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Uh, first, let's get off, uh, do some caveats. It is a, a snow day here in Southern DMZ. I think it is where you are too. As well as Northern DMZ, what, yes. What this means for the uninitiated is it's four days now, four <laughs> days of kids being around. Uh, weekends are normal. We can do weekends, but two additional days at least. Um, and that, uh, so there may be a there may be interruptions. There may be, uh, we may not have our A game. How are things in Northern DMZ? Um, well, they're still sleeping. So they're going to, and they're, I did inadvertently wake up my youngest to say you have a snow day. I was trying to turn off her alarm. Um, but my oldest might wake up and be like, what the, what the heck is going on? Um, so, and there may be demands for breakfast and such, but we're going to power through Matt because it's just too important. There's, there's so much uncertainty in what's happening. Right. In the Republican primary after Iowa, and DMZ fans need our insight and wisdom to help them navigate the confusing and complicated picture. There will- <laughs> well, they may need something from us, counseling, <laughs> uh, encouragement, but I don't think they need what you described. Let me say, Bill. Um, Look, politics is important. Democracy is important. Elections matter. Uh, all of that, you know, caveats apply. But this is also, we're political junkies and we like <laughs> this stuff. And let me tell you about my weekend, okay? So this is the wild card weekend in the NFL. So the Bucks, the Bills, the Packers, the Chiefs all blew out their opponents. There were five NFL games over the course of the, the Bills game. The weather was so bad, it got moved to Monday. So there were two games on Saturday. Maybe there were six games. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think there were six games. Um, five of them essentially over in the first quarter. Not unlike the, uh, the Iowa caucuses, Bill. In fact, the Iowa caucuses were over while people were still voting in Iowa. While people people didn't even have a chance to vote, and the election had been called, the projections by major Wait, news outlets that Donald Trump had won. You're you're on the uh, Ron DeSantis uh, war path. Election was rigged. The media rigged it for Trump. They ruined everything. He was this close. He was this close, Matt. Then the AP came in and ruined it. No, let me say two things. First, as a again as a fan who is stuck at home in this bitterly cold, dark winter. I wanted some entertainment. I didn't get it in the NFL. <laughs> Not even next week. We could talk about that. Next week is going to be a great week. But this week, the hype, it didn't live up to the hype. The games are essentially boring. They were over before they started with one exception. Um, and then as a political junkie, so I'm, I'm pissed off about that. But I will say, and I don't think it impacted, it certainly didn't impact who won the race. Donald Trump was going to win that race, right? Uh, was going to win Iowa, was going to win the caucuses. But shouldn't there be a rule that we don't project a winner while people, before people in the state, we don't declare a state before the people in the state have finished, have had a chance to vote? 
Well, I guess we have a weird quirk here because these are caucuses, not primaries. So in a primary, the polls close at a certain point, and then the media outlets feel that it's okay to project winners. For a caucus, they enter the room uh, at a certain time. And at that point, the Associated Press says once they enter the room, they've shown up, they feel they have the leeway to project. You know, some caucus meetings, you know, they're meetings. It's not just you walk in, punch your card, and you go. You got to hear, there's some party business, you got to hear some speeches, and then you do, um, you know, I, th- I believe it's a paper ballot in, in, in these, these are, this is not a state run election, it's a party meeting. Um, and so they had the exit poll, the, the, the entrance poll data, which was ginormous. They had a handful of early results come in by 8.25 central time. And AP said, okay, we got enough here. This is not a close call. But certain caucus meetings weren't finished yet. And people have their phones. And they're getting push alerts and whatnot. So perhaps there should have been some more coordination between the AP and the party about this. Uh, perhaps the part AP could have said, "Hey, uh, Iowa Republican Party, we might project this around eight twenty-five, and the party could said, "Okay, we need to tell people to turn off their phones or put their phones away, so they don't get any push alerts." Or the party could have said, "Can you just wait till nine o'clock? You know, we're going to be really done by nine o'clock. You know, it's not you're not really going to missing a scoop here. There should have been some kind of coordination like that." But so it's well, not a great. And honestly, I mean, I was going to say, like, honestly, the networks. Let me just go back to the football thing, because these two, you know, and the Emmys. Hey, let's bring in the Emmys. No, (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was an interesting day. Um, One gets a sense and I'm not, Bill, I'm the last person in America who's not a conspiracy theorist. But let me just say, there are times when it looks like the referees would prefer there not to be a blowout. They don't want the game. Number one, they want the Cowboys, for example to be in the playoffs. They, there are certain teams that the NFL would probably like to be in the playoffs. And then there's certain, they don't want the game to be over in the first five minutes. One gets a sense that some of the calls may reflect that. If the networks wanted people to watch, perhaps they could allow there to be a little suspense about, you know, about the election rather than calling it immediately. Well, this is the, well, this is the opposite point. This is this is not an example of media having a self-interest in rigging it for a certain outcome. For weeks, I have been bombarded with, quite frankly, horrible political analysis trying to con me into thinking there's some suspense here. The, the straining of like, here's Nikki Haley's path and here's how Ron DeSantis can beat expectations. Oh, if he makes it to... 25 instead of 20, he was going to have real momentum. Uh, and it was all nonsense. Uh, but it's, but the media has an understandable institutional bias in maintaining suspense. So they think there's something to watch. Uh, so it doesn't serve their interest to call it E25 and have five hours of pundits saying, boy, this was pretty dead obvious the whole time. And there's really nothing to analyze here. Um, well, and I, but their projection outfits don't don't go based on what's good for ratings. They're just making a call. I will say this too, Bill. And if so, we kind of knew Donald Trump was going to win. We kind of knew Donald Trump was going to win big. Um, the question was, 
second place, right? That that was a really maybe that was where the race was, where the where the action was. But it almost really felt like an afterthought because they Bill they called the election for Trump at like eight thirty Eastern time. I don't think DeSantis got second place until eleven o'clock, let's say, or eleven thirty. When they called second place for DeSantis, projected he would be well, they're, they're second sure place. They, they gave you that, Matt. No, but I think that the the narrative had been said. I mean, look, this is all like very meta. Um, but uh, it, look, I'll put it this way: if 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 all I knew was like let's say in the old days or something, I woke up the next morning and looked, and I said, "Oh, Ron DeSantis came in second. I think that would have had more of an impact. But the, for but Ron that, DeSantis. that would be manufactured media BS narrative. The notion that second place was some sort of a great trophy to win is nonsense. Uh, there are times, I mean, people are still clinging on to Gary Hart getting 17% in 1984 in Iowa and catapulting into a New Hampshire victory. Um, the circumstances around a surprise second actually mattering require there to be a much more unsettled field with people who have not paid much attention at all and being newly uh, informed of an alternative who they then get excited about learning about in advance of the next contest. I mean, this is at a time when we didn't have months and months and months of debates and commentary. We didn't have, uh, a de facto incumbent dominating the race the entire time. Uh, this just this isn't yeah. an unsettled Republican electorate. So coming in second does not matter nearly as much as these uh, these other rare examples. Uh, I and- think that I, I think that context matters, Bill. And I'll tell you why I, I'm kind of depressed this morning. The the metometer, the metometer, is. Uh, Drooping. It's not good. Um, and it's because, look, we knew Trump was going to win Iowa, but the magnitude of his victory, which in fairness reflected the polls, but the magnitude of his victory. And look, if you add up Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy, never mind DeSantis, if you just add up Trump and Vivek, we're, we're getting close to 60% in Iowa, right? Right. And what concerns me is the reason I can't. I, there, normally, I might go, okay, great. We knew Trump was going to win Iowa, but New Hampshire's where it begins, right? Mm-hmm. Nikki's going to win New Hampshire. That's going to give her momentum to take to South Carolina. I think the magnitude of Trump's win in Iowa, and again, maybe Iowa is completely unique, but I don't think so. The magnitude suggests to me that it's insurmountable. That even if Nikki wins New You're Hampshire, you're not backtracking now, Matt. You made your you 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 planted your flag. I'm still declaring that she will win New Hampshire. <laughs> okay, okay. My point though is, but but now I'm with this. Kind of goes to our conversation last week. Then what does moment does she get any momentum out of it? Mm-hmm. Because New Hampshire is unique, um, specifically unique because of the it's sort of a a, a contrarian. Uh, zeitgeist there. And and of course, independents can vote. So I think what Iowa has done for me has um, deflated my hope that a a victory in New Hampshire 
would lead Nikki to success in other primaries? Well, let me say, well, obviously I agree. Um, let me say just two things that add to that. So, you know, a lot of the, of the Nikki Haley hope, particularly in New Hampshire, is that Christie dropping out would allow her to consolidate anti-Trump vote and have, have an upset. And if I look at the Real Clear Politics average, um, Haley plus, we, we don't we still don't have any New Hampshire polls since Christie dropped out. So all of our data is including Christie. Um, if I add Haley and Christie, I get to 40.6 with Trump at 43.5. So, you know, in sort of within margin of error or close to, if she was really on the rise, you could say, well, she's on the cusp of breaking through here. But then you got to say, wait a second, Ramaswamy just dropped out and endorsed Trump right away. And he was pulling in five in New Hampshire. Now, and obviously it's too crude to give Nikki Haley all of the Christie vote. And it's too crude to give uh, Trump all the Ramaswamy vote. But, if I, but perhaps two wrongs make a right here. So for the sake of simple math, um, if I add Trump plus Ramaswamy, I get the 48.5. Now Haley plus Christie is eight points behind. Um and you might say that's some sort of moral victory for Nikki Haley. Uh, but to the other point, what comes next? And that's for the subject of what I wrote about for the Washington Monthly this morning. Uh, I took a deeper dive into the New Hampshire electorate versus the other states. I mean, looking at 2016 exit poll data, uh, New Hampshire had 25% of the Republican electorate that was born again or evangelical. In most of the other states that are coming up, that's more like two-thirds or more. Uh, New Hampshire, last three elections, the, the share of independence voting was between 37 and 47%. You look at most other states that are coming up, it's usually less than a third. It's a very different state. Uh, and Well, why is it that Donald Trump had his first win in New Hampshire, which catapulted him into South Carolina? Well, he had, I think we talked about this last week, he had 35% in New Hampshire. It wasn't a, it was only looked dominating because the center-right vote in New Hampshire splintered amongst five candidates. Uh, if they actually consolidated, they would have, behind one, they would have beat Trump soundly in New Hampshire. Uh, so if I add, you know, Trump plus Cruz 2016, and I add up Kasich, Jeb, Christie, uh, Rubio, Fiorina, you get a 49-47 race. And maybe that's kind of what Haley Trump is going to be, something like that. Although, again, yeah. probably might go to Trump. Maybe some DeSantis bleeds into Trump. Who knows? Um, but it, it's not implausible she could still win New Hampshire based on that historical information. But there's nothing coming up after that to say this would yeah. – South Carolina is not going to say I'm going to do what New Hampshire does because it's a totally different electorate. Now, if I was looking – for a reason to believe that there's still hope. I might say um, Iowa, the Iowa caucuses are weird, right? It, it's a- You can totally say that. It's, it, it's, it's, it's only a, a fraction of, of even registered Republicans who voted. Turnout was down. Now it was incredibly cold. Um, and uh, so there's an argument that that- Donald Trump has Trumpified the Republican Party by running people who used to be Republicans out. The party has shrunk, but also become more MAGA. But you could also say, no, nah, the, the caucuses are just weird. Um, 
what kind of person leaves their house when it's like 20 below zero at seven o'clock at night to go hang out like at a meeting for a couple of hours? You know, while there is maybe the only competitive <laughs> NFL game. Actually, I can't remember which one. No, it wasn't competitive, but we didn't know that at the time. Anyway, whatever. Um, so maybe there's a chance. But look, I, 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 you have to really make excuses to believe this is competitive. In over the last uh, the three prior Iowa caucus victors were Huckabee, Santorum, and Cruz. You go before that, you have more mainstream type people. It was Bush, Dole, Dole, Bush for the non-incumbent ones. Um, uh, and you know, when Bush won 1980, that was, you know, the moderate, the, was one of the early moments of there being a moderate faction of the party surprising Ronald Reagan, who seemed to have, who, and who did largely conservatify the party, and he won most of the races after that. Uh, but in more recent years, you've had a faction of deeply evangelical caucus goers. Uh, and even, even as conservative as the Republican Party has become, they were even more conservative than that and picked people who were particularly extreme on social conservative issues that the rest of the Republican electorate wasn't that keen on. Uh, and so... It is correct to say that Iowa's caucus electorate is not historically indicative of what the rest of the Republican Party is going to do. Uh, why is this year different, in my opinion? I mean, Trump nationally is running up even bigger margins over DeSantis and Haley than he got in Iowa. He won Iowa by 30. He's in the national average, he's up by 50. Uh, so roughly speaking, the, the Iowa electorate is now uh, fairly reflective of the national party to the extent that perhaps some of the, you know, Bob Vanderplatz was with DeSantis. And so DeSantis did better than he is doing nationally. Uh I mean, maybe that's a, a, a indication of how Iowa evangelicals are still a little bit distinct, uh, but not nearly enough to completely throw the result uh, out of whack. What's happened in Iowa is reflective of where the party is generally. New Hampshire is far more anomalous. That is going to be a less indicative race. And everything else is telling us that what happens after New Hampshire is going yeah. to be more reflective of what Iowa did. I mean, look, we, I hope we keep this, we should probably keep this tight, get it up quick. Um, and some of this is going to be, uh, you know, old, old news uh, very soon. But um, I mean, look, I, I think DeSantis should have taken your advice back in April mm -hmm. and not run. Um, apparently he's going to stay in the race for now. His, it's over for him. Mm -hmm. Certainly this primary is over for him. Um, Nikki Haley has flashes of brilliance, but um, she's not as good as Rubio was. She, and, and he got crushed. I mean, Rubio was the better. I, I find them very similar. Okay. <laughs> I think Rubio was was uh, a little better than her. 
But neither of these candidates have run great campaigns. Um, they both refused to to confront Trump directly uh, in a way that might work. And I agree that the, that doing it stupidly also wouldn't work. Um, um, and apparently Nikki is not going to debate in New Hampshire unless Trump is involved. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I I don't think it is a terrible calculation on her part, but it, I don't think it's a clear-cut decision on her part because she needs to consolidate center-right vote, but she should not want Trump to consolidate hard-right vote. So her shtick being, this is now a two-person race, even though I came in third place, uh, Like that was, that was yeah. a pre-cooked message that she was going to say regard, regardless of result. And again, I understand this, the meta argument that we have to whittle this down into make her campaign seem more viable, but she should want someone like DeSantis preventing Trump from further consolidation. She should want DeSantis to hang around and to elevate him. Uh, so I really don't know if it's quite in her interest to try to kick him to the curb right now. Now, another debate with him alone would probably be just as pathetic as the last one to make her look small and not focused on the big game. So I do get that. Um, but she should try to kind of be a little more clever and keep his name in the mix. Because uh, otherwise, you know, she, she's she, she's not poised to win a, a mano a mano race against Trump right now. And then I do think if she had come in second in Iowa, it would have been a kind of a a lot of chutzpah and moxie to, mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So there might've been a benefit, even though I get your point strategically, she benefits, she benefits from having DeSantis stick around, but um, refusing to debate him and saying, this is now a two person race. I want Donald Trump. Trump is ducking me. He needs to show up. Hey woman, Hey woman. If he, you know, that's Mr. T from Rocky three, uh, you know, sort of try to lull him into a debate. Um, but yeah, I don't think it works as it is. I'm Bill. I'm. You may have picked up. I'm a little depressed. Um, what, maybe one of my predictions. Maybe Haley will do long this. Maybe Haley will do this this week. But the one thing that she could do today that I've not seen her do is to call out Trump for being found liable of sexual assault. Trump is literally taking his his victory lap from Iowa by going to his defamation trial with E. Jean Carroll. But here's a trial that most people forgot is happening. This is a case, I mean, mind-blowing to me that no candidate mentions. You don't even see Democrats mentioning this case for the most part. Um, and this is not even a case where, like, the verdict is uh, unknown yet. He was found liable. They're just they're calculating the damages today, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, so... There's really no interest for Trump to call more attention to this. He managed to escape getting a lot of attention for this. Uh, and Haley, being the lone woman in the race, uh, I think she would generate a lot of news if she bludgeoned him uh, for his verdict. Um, but she's all. But uh, does she have? The wherewithal to do it, I don't know, but I, I would, I would, if I was in her inner circle, I'd say 
talk about this, not talk about who you're debating. Um, I mean, you know, if you want us to be a two person race then like draw some freaking blood with the guy you're trying to face off against, don't just talk about it a weird process way, you know, take some blood, throw some, throw some punches. I actually think she should take your advice and probably, you know, hire you under, under the cover of darkness <laughs> to, uh, to provide some ideas. She'd be better off in my opinion. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm exhausted. I think I have to go shovel snow. I might have to write a column today. I, I don't even know. Um, you didn't, you didn't do the late shift? What's that? You didn't do the late shift last night? I did, but uh got a text, so I don't know. Oh. I have to go check in You're on that. Like a dog. You, and of course, you're going to join a union, Matt. <laughs> They're overworking you. I am in a union, technically. Oh, really? I'm a card-carrying union member, Bill. I know you're in the proletariat. I'm a union member, yeah. Um, and honestly, uh, you know, every, so I, I like to go to sleep really early, or at least wind down early, get in bed early, read. Um, and then every once in a while, because the East Coast gets screwed on everything from Monday Night Football to debates to conventions to cockeye you find yourself up at 1 a.m writing a column um and uh <clears throat> sometimes i get a little grumpy when i have to do it and then i remind myself that like my dad used to leave the house at nine o'clock at night go get in his car and the freezing cold drive to a prison and be a prison guard and work there, you know, eight hours or whatever. Uh, also a union job until mm -hmm. you become a officer. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, come back and try to sleep with everybody making noise in the house. And then I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I get to sit in my pajamas, <laughs> you know, sipping hot chocolate, mm -hmm. watching TV, writing a column. Mm -hmm. It ain't that bad. Right. It, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty sweet gig, and frankly, um, there are not a lot of jobs like we have anymore. So, <laughs> treasure this time we have together, Bill. Oh, but it would be more. Fun. I would say it would be more fun. Yeah, if there were some weird, exciting developments, and like <clears throat> even I mean, hell, Ted Cruz winning Iowa, <laughs> you know, would have been like an exciting like if something like that had happened. Mm -hmm. uh, it just makes the job put aside the importance of, of preserving democracy. If you're covering baseball, it's good to have a come from behind victory mm -hmm. once in a while where the storyline gets shaken up. So, but I'm not bitter. There are a lot of sporting events where a team just gets five runs in the first inning and that's, and that's the ball game. Yep. And that may be what happens here. <laughs> It's going to be a long one last question we wrap up though. Is there anything in the results that should make Trump worried that <clears throat> there is a pocket of Republicans that won't be with him come November? A pocket of Republicans? I don't I mean you really have to I mean okay, if, if I were look at 20%, right? I believe some I mean, of them I think are the way the only way to look at the there is a way to look at this and say Donald Trump is the incumbent. He shouldn't the fact that he's only getting 
is a problem for the general election, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything that happened last night that would pose a problem for Trump in the primary that should worry him or scare him in the primary. But I think you could look at it and say he lost 49, 49% of, of Republicans in Iowa voted for someone else. Is that a great place to be Go, you know, if you're a former president heading into a, a general election? All right. Till next week. All right, buddy. Ready to talk New Hampshire next week. All right. Next week, I'm going to get some, I don't know, cortisol shots. I don't know what, <laughs> what I don't know what they inject people with to get them. Excited. What is what does Joe Biden get, you know, before a big speech? I want what he's having. Um, <laughs> I think it's a pasta and red sauce guy. A pasta red sauce guy? Yeah, I thought that, that was his go to go to meal. Yeah. I'm like Wade Boggs with the chicken, man. But whatever it is, uh, I will I will drink an extra cup of coffee and I'll see you back here in the DMC next week. All right. Take care. Thanks, man.